It's This Week in Bourbon, where the oak is always the sweetest. And here's your headlines for September 30th, 2022. The number of bourbon barrels in Kentucky has reached a record, and so have the taxes. Barrel Craft Spirits is releasing their 2022 Grey Label Bourbon, and Wild Turkey Masters Keep Unforgotten is the newest release in their annual limited edition series. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back, everybody. It is This Week in Bourbon, but it's also the end the final end of Bourbon Heritage Month. It's over. We can quit appreciating it. We just go back to just being regular folk now. Yeah, you can drink bourbon without setting it next to a calendar <laughs> and <laughs> taking a photo. I I'm mean, kidding. There's, I there's do like a lot calendars. Of, it is cool. There is a good a lot of dedication that goes into doing that. I've never done it for myself, even though I drink pretty much every day. <laughs> in any way it doesn't matter if it's bourbon heritage every month anyway. every month and day is bourbon heritage in my house so it's, it's bourbon heritage year every year i know we should do a 365 one <laughs> <laughs> we, we always thought about doing that i think that was a, a good idea somebody had about creating like a desktop calendar of bourbon pursuit stuff whether it's like a quote somebody said in the podcast or something somebody or somebody you can learn something or literally anything because we've had so many episodes we've actually just loaded up it's gonna be in a few weeks here but episode like 608 is what just got loaded up so if you include our regular thursdays plus whiskey quickies and now this week in bourbon we're we're hitting we're over 600 episodes now Jeez, yeah but i don't think anyone wants 365 days of firms <laughs> maybe i'm wrong maybe they do i don't know I, i'll tell you what i I will not put any I can, effort I'll come to make up, the calendar. I'll come up some quotes. Yeah, we can make up some quotes, but yeah, making a desktop calendar is not my highest priority. Even you though should make a devo- you want to make a devotional every morning? Purposely <laughs> <laughs> devotional. Like uh, like today, the bad, bad motivational quotes. Today, I will not bother the counter guy for blends. <laughs> <laughs> I will not spend $150 on Weller Antique. Today, I will drink something that's already opened. <laughs> I will remind myself that Old Forester is still only four years old. <laughs> There's so many. This could actually, this may be good. Maybe we could do something, but we'd probably get fired. So, probably we'll lose sponsors pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, I only said that. I was like, Old Forester. I mean, like, because everybody goes crazy for Old Forester barrel proof. I've seen all kinds of like things in my feed recently of all these picks. I'm like, man, alive. They, they do a great job of marketing because they never had Old Forester barrel proof until what, like two or three years ago. And now everybody can't get the, can't get enough of it. Yep. And then like 
hot four-year-old whiskey. No, it, it is good. <laughs> Way it to shake good. things up. I, that, I still think a hundred proofs, the perfect proof for that, but you know, people, people like what they like or think what they like. What do we know? We're just a bunch yeah. of hater podcasts. We just had remember? 600 episodes about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's like an episode of friends. It's just like, or Seinfeld. Like we just keep going, but we have anything to talk about. We just make up random topics as we go. That's right. It's a show about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. So this one, this is going to hit on Ryan's radar here. Actually, we're going to have a few one that probably hits on Ryan's radar here. But this one oh is coming from uh, a a certification that's going to be coming from a distillery that says that they're going to be the first carbon negative distillery out there. And so Carbon Better, a minority-owned sustainability strategy and energy logistics firm, announced the certification of the world's first carbon negative bourbon distilled by Fierce Whiskey's Distillery in Austin, Texas. And it's called Five O'Clock Shadow. It's a single barrel bourbon release dropping exclusively at the company's first anniversary event on September 24th, which already happened this week. It also represents the first bourbon release for this grain to glass, grain to, it says grain to glass. It actually says in here grain to grass, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be grain to glass. Grain to glass distillery. The Fierce Whiskers founding team integrated sustainable energy strategy into the business well before breaking ground on their distillery and the five-story rickhouse, reviewing materials, equipment, suppliers, and distilling decisions relative to the environmental impact. Fierce Whiskers achieved carbon negative for the five o'clock shadow release through the purchase of carbon offsets and a quantity that equals 10 times the carbon emissions generated from grain to glass, resulting in a 1,000% carbon-negative bourbon. Each selected bourbon carbon, sorry, each selected carbon offset aligns with Fierce Whiskers' goals to support high-impact projects with proven additionality that also relate to its businesses and operations. For example, Carbon Better sourced carbon offset projects with water co-benefits because making whiskey with water is intensive. Such projects include pulling pollution from the air in Iceland, 400 megawatts of solar energy in India, and safe drinking water in Sierra Leone. In the upcoming weeks, Carbon Better will release Fierce Whiskers 2022 Sustainability Report, which includes an updated Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions calculations with the new addition of Scope 3 emission calculations, which will be inclusive of ingredient emissions. All right. Well, they should get money back from the energy company. You know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, so, sure those, uh, I'm sure those combines, they run on... You know, I didn't, I didn't know Tesla made combines to get grains <laughs> these days. So, <laughs> or the semi to haul the grains there, but whatever. <laughs> You're totally right. You're totally right. Because <laughs> when I read this, I mean, it's it's a headline. It's a headline yeah. catch. But the more you read into it, it's it's basically what they're doing is they they did all the production the same exact way they ever do always do whiskey production. And instead of like just releasing their whiskey saying, hey, it's the first whiskey that we've released, what they did is they put money into other projects, such as pulling pollution out of the air in Iceland and putting megawatts of solar energy in India that will offset what they're doing over here. So it's like the same thing as like basically, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think if if like you just, if you're doing something bad, you're like, oh, I'll just throw money at the problem. <laughs> like that's right. what it is. It's like... A casino paying for Gamblers Anonymous commercials or something because <laughs> yeah. you know, they feel bad. I don't it's, know. It's quite quite alignment to that. I think it's pretty parallel. Yeah. All right. It's yeah. Move on before I Let's get Let's keep trouble. going. All right. So Diageo, the parent company behind some of the world's top alcohol brands, is not renewing its membership with the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States and it will exit one of the industry's top U.S. trade associations at the end of the year. And this is what a company spokesperson said. The company, whose brand portfolio includes Johnny Walker, Guinness, Tanqueray, Bailey, Smirnoff, Captain Morgan, Crown Royal, and Kettle One, and of course Bullet, which is listed as one of the 17 members of the trade group's board of directors, is instead turning its focus to its internal initiative promoting sustainability, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and safe drinking and moderation practices. The split was amicable, noting that Diageo will continue to work with the trade group on areas of mutual interest, including the discus run and industry founded, sorry, funded foundation for advancing alcohol responsibility, or otherwise known as responsibility.org, as well as industry initiative Diageo helped fund aimed at bringing more people of color into the alcohol industry. Discus, which dropped a 4.6 million, sorry, which dropped $4.6 million on federal lobbying last year, noted as a major win this spring when the U.S. and U.K. reached a trade agreement that lifted the final layer of retaliatory tariffs on American whiskeys, which was a top priority for our group for many years. So interesting to see this uh, because 
I would imagine Discus, they need their industry members to help pay to be able to do all that lobbying. And Diageo says, ah, we're good. Yeah, we're going to just create our own. I'm sure they already had their own lobbyists. I know Beam Centauri and all that. But yeah, it is surprising. Um, cause, I mean, it's one of those things that like Discus is, it's not a, it's not something like you have to be a part of. It's a no, something sure. that you can, you can just join. And it's kind of like this thing that, you know, everybody kind of like lives behind and says, okay, like, well, I'll, we'll all kind of fight the good fight together on it. But it's interesting to say that, you know, we'll I, go. I know. And, what, why are they trying to, I'm confused. Like, so it says they're creating their own to focus on their own initiatives. Did there's not align with Discus or something, or are they just like playing into the, every other buzzword that every corporation is doing? just trying to be super woke or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I have, I have no idea. I, I have no, I couldn't tell you if, if there's not an alignment that's going on between the two. But the thing is, is that Discus does pretty much, it's kind of like the KDA does for, all Kentucky distilleries, all Kentucky distilleries, except Buffalo Trace, we all understand that, basically fund the KDA. So the KDA goes and does all the government lobbying for any kind of local and state governments and everything like that. And this is the same exact thing, but on a much larger national scale. And so when you see this happen, you're kind of thinking like, gosh, is there, like, what's what's the reason why they would do this unless Diageo thinks that they can just lobby themselves or whether this is a falling out of something greater. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting because, I mean, obviously out of all those brands, probably their American whiskey portfolio is the smallest with oh gosh, you know, Dickel and Bullet. But yeah. still, you think it's, a, you know, they have huge investment in it. And two, like, you know, Dickel is basically was created or owned to fund to help fuel barrels for Johnny Walker, you know, to is basically to help offset the cost of those barrels, you know, when they become Johnny Walker Scott, you know, scotch barrels or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's, I'm kind of blown away by it or, or curious why this all happened. It's interesting. Maybe they think they were spending too much money when all they see out of discus is maybe because the, they see one big win, but maybe all they think they see out of discus is stuff that's really just promoting responsible drinking when they're already doing that internally. They probably already have 4,200 people that work on some sort of responsibility uh, or they, uh, they, campaigns they and stuff. think their lobbyists are more efficient at pushing what they want versus what Disket want, Discus wants. So Very true. They could do that, too. Uh, corporations right. only look out for themselves and what's going to get more profit. So that's uh, – I mean, as they should, but, you know. Yeah. As, as they say, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. Sure. Yeah, there's, there's no, like, communal aspect. <laughs> there, it's definitely – it's, it's all going to whatever benefiting Diageo. So, yeah, the only person or the only distillery that says that they don't have to worry about their their shareholders would be Heaven Hill because right. they're the only private company. Everybody else is basically but owned Bullet by. and all that. Bullet's on part of the KDA, right? Or the the Bourbon Trail and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. Okay, be interested if they pull a Sazerac. A Sazerac can pull that too, and just be like. Ah, we're good. That's how they're going to start shaving costs, be able to be like, hey, we made the stock price go up a nickel. Right. I don't know. I don't know either. It's just interesting. But okay. Well, speaking of Heaven Hill, on Tuesday, October 18th, the Evan Williams Bourbon Experience will host a two-hour tasting and breakfast event. And this is going to be for anybody in the public as they introduce Square Six High Rye Rye Whiskey. This is the second Square Six product that was produced exclusively at the Artisanal Distillery located in the Evan Williams Bourbon Experience at 528 West Main Street in Louisville. The continuation of the Evan Williams Square Six Series distilled is in one barrel per day. Handcrafted copper pot still facility, and it's a testament to Heaven Hill's commitment to quality craft, innovation, and tradition. Square Six pays homage to the original plot of land that housed Kentucky's first commercial distillery that was founded by Evan Williams in 1783. The distillery sat on the exact block as the Evan Williams Bourbon Experience sits today. Artisanal distiller Jody Filiatra will be on site to lead the tasting and signed bottles. Each guest in attendance will receive a bottle of Square Six High Rye Rye, and tickets are now on sale to the public for $160 per person plus taxes and fees. So what is considered a High Rye Rye at Heaven Hill? I guess, I don't know, is it over 95%? I mean, <laughs> or, yeah, I didn't know if it's like 60% or... <laughs> I, I, I would assume like 50% rise low in or whatever, 51%. Um, 
I'm just curious, where's the number for a high rye rye? Yeah, because considering 95.5 is the typical industry norm that people think is what it is. Because I'm pretty sure Willet's like high rye rye is like only 60 or 65% rye. And their low rye rye is obviously like that lower, you know, 50s. So they consider their high rye rye. <laughs> that's, I, that's throwing me off. <laughs> I don't rye. know. Like I said, when you have a 95.5 that's out there... I. And people are already doing 100% well, obviously right. that's it considered a high rise. <laughs> yeah, was like it doesn't get much higher than that. So I don't know what they define as that. But I I guarantee you they're usually not ones that shy away from mash bills. So when you go, I guarantee you Jody will probably put that out there. Yeah, like what's mash bills? Uh, sorry, not <laughs> Pikesville, Mashville. 51, oh, it's 51, 39, 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, they've, they've got a few of them out there. That's Heaven Hill's not scared to kind of put them out there. I know that. Well, I mean, let's be real. It's not like they're all within five points of each other. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter because... The only one's Mictors is like, nope. And it's the, it's the type of the still. It's the aging environment. It's the type of barrels. that You can't recreate the magic. Even mm-hmm. that's why we... I forget who we talked to at one point. It was talked about some at Stitzel Weller, and we, we were like, can you ever recreate Stitzel Weller? Even if you had the same, like if you opened up the same exact distillery, tried to find replicate the still, and they're like, nah, it, as hard as you try, you'll never be able to replicate that. Even if you were to find the yeast strain, it's just that magic has disappeared. Yep. Unfortunately. Even though the still is even at Bullets, or no, the doubler is still a Bullets production facility today in use. I remember. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so if you go and take the take the the behind the scenes tour where you get to go at, at Bullet Distillery, they they actually have the doubler from Stitzel Weller that's still there performing as it's uh, the one in Shelbyville or yeah, the one in Shelbyville. Oh well, I guess I have seen it. I guess it was that memorable. Yeah. <laughs> you looked at it, you go, "Yep, looks copper and big. Let's keep going." <laughs> yep, pretty much. Just looks like every other doubler. <laughs> it's like the fermenter tanks, <laughs> very special. Yep. So this next one isn't about bourbon at all, but you look at this and you're like, well, I guess there's still room to grow. So at Sotheby's in London, bidding is now open on a one-of-a-kind special edition of the Macallan called The Reach, and it's an 81-year-old single malt. It's the oldest whiskey ever to come to auction. Crafted from a single sherry season oak cask, the Macallan The Reach is encased in a decanter created from mouth-blown hot glass cradled on a bronze sculpture of three hands representing the Macallan's history. Unveiled in February 2022, the release from the distillery reflects an extraordinary moment in time. The liquid laid down during a period of increasing hardship during the Second World War, just before the Macallan was compelled to close its doors for the first time in history. The cabinet housing of the decanter is also crafted using wood from a fallen elm tree, which is thought to have been the Macallan estate in 1940, the year the spirit was distilled. The decanter itself is encased in a display cabinet lined in red leather, reflecting the red thread that has run through the McCallum's branding since it was founded almost 200 years ago. The esti- is actually estimated to bring in somewhere in the range of $120,000 to $215,000 at auction. That's about $150,000 too much. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, actually, I saw the the picture of it. It's actually really cool. It's kind of weird because it's three hands holding up the bottle. Like it is like three hands of a figure kind of doing it. I mean, it, which, here, here's a good topic. Is McAllen flooding the high end? It seems like every week they're like got a car bottle. They got a, you know, this and that. And it's like, I guess they just, people can't get enough of. Like, and it's like the biggest it, brand. It's uh, of, of scotch. I don't see I don't why think I've ever had McAllen. I guess I need to try it for a knock it i guess i don't know all right well let's let's not do a two hundred thousand dollar bottle we'll try to just do like maybe a two hundred dollar bottle or something like that yeah do they have a standard like a (laughs) (laughs) you got your small batch you got your you got your your yellow label we can try (laughs) right (laughs) we don't need uh red threads and 80 year old m trees (laughs) you got a you got a freshly planted dogwood or something something with a screw cap that'll be fine by us all right so our first headline for the night so the number of bourbon barrels in Kentucky, it's now reached a record of 11.4 million, and that was in January this year. And that's as the state signature industry has now marked its fourth consecutive year, filling more than 2 million barrels. And that's also at the same exact time paying $40 million in discriminatory barrel taxes, which is the highest amount in history. 
So when you include other aging spirits, the state's total inventory is almost 12 million barrels. It's just a monumental milestone in the storied 200-year history of Kentucky's iconic bourbon industry. The tax-assessed value of all the barrels has also hit an all-time high this year of $5.2 billion. While barrel records are typically a cause for celebration, the skyrocketing and punitive impact of aging barrel taxes is more of a cause concern. And this is borne by Eric Gregory, who's the president of the KDA. And he released the operations that were actually, sorry, he released a lot of these statistics, uh, these figures today. So Kentucky still remains the only place in the world that taxes aging barrels of spirits, which is called the ad valorem tax, which we've talked about on here before. Since the beginning of the year, Kentucky has fallen to 12th in the country in the number of distilling operations, according to the Federal Trade and Bureau, sorry, the TTB. There's now more than 2,300 distilleries in all 50 states. Kentucky has fewer than 100. Kentucky's share of distilleries nationwide has plummeted from a high of 24% to now just 6%. And Kentucky's percentage of distilling jobs has dropped from 43% down to 30%, even though the state crafts 95% of the world's bourbon. In the last five years alone, barrel taxes have more than doubled, soaring 102%. Kentucky distillers are paying nearly $40 million in barrel taxes this year, and that's $7 million more than last year. An unjust levy because the fine art of aging and maturation of bourbon is critical to the production process. The new production numbers are based on the inventories as reported of January 1st, 2022 that were submitted to the Kentucky Department of Revenue for tax purposes and includes all distilling companies in Kentucky, the vast majority of which are KDA member distilleries. So here are the specifics. The total number of barrels is actually 11,406,135. The number of bourbon barrels filled in 2021 is 2,619,633. The total inventory, including bourbon and other spirits, is 11 million. 982,965. The assessed value on all barrels for tax purposes is, oh gosh, area, $5,207,221,744. The Bluegrass State continues to benefit from this amber wave, which now pours around $9 billion each year into the Kentucky economy and sustains more than 22,500 jobs with an annual payroll topping around $1.2 billion a year and draws millions of affluent tourists from around the world to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail experiences. As a key export, distilling has the state's highest job spinoff factor among top manufacturers and buys at least 17 million bushels of corn and other grains every year, mostly from Kentucky farm families, and is currently investing more than $5.2 billion in new stills, warehouses, bottling lines, tourism experiences, and more. However, distilling is also the highest taxed among all large manufacturing industries in the Commonwealth, paying more than $285 million in local and state taxes every year. That's $180 million more in taxes each and every year now than distillers paid a decade ago. Kentucky distillers also pay over $1.8 billion in federal alcohol taxes, which is by far the most any of any state pay. Of the 11 states ahead of Kentucky in the number of distilleries, all but one licensed state, which is Washington, has a significantly lower spirits tax rate than Kentucky. Kentucky's tax rate is $8.41 per bottle. However, California, which leads the nation in the number of distilleries, is $3.30. Gregory said the time is now when the industry is healthy to eliminate artificial barriers to growth like the barrel tax and to continue modernizing Kentucky's archaic alcohol laws. He pointed to two recent studies that show tequila has gained significant ground on American whiskey. Well, Just go yeah. ahead and give a, give a round of applause for that. That's a, a for me getting through that. But B, that's a, that a hell of a press release coming from Eric Gregory, the KDA right there. Yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm we need to have Chad McCoy on the podcast and we'll do that soon. But uh, I'm reading his presentation, Kentucky taxation of alcohol, like that he's presented to the the house, you know, and and uh, it is amazing, like compared to California, New York, you know, who have, you know, and how much more spirits is taxed versus beer and wine. And it's just look, I get it. The, the state doesn't want to give up money, but, you know they got to put a cap on it at least or something to, to, it's just not, I mean, they're just raking in money at, at the expense of growth for, you know, it, they're just being, it, you know, Andy Bashir is at the, the Kentucky bourbon hall of fame up there blobbing about, Oh, bourbon has grown so much since my administrations came in and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you have done nothing. <laughs> it's all these people here who have done everything. Let's help them out, you know, in this state. And it's true. You know, Texas is, you know, starting to, I mean, obviously Texas whiskey is not Kentucky whiskey, but they're starting to get more and more distilleries there. It's more advantageous for people to go there. You know, it's more advantageous for to go to Tennessee or Indiana. You know, it's like, what do you want? Do you want to be, this is 
we have the opportunity to be the Napa's, the Sonoma's, the 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 re- the main whiskey region in the country, and we are, but we're losing that ground, and we're making it, it disadvantageous to keep whiskey growing here in the state. So, I don't know. Yeah, I would think with all these taxes coming through, every kid it goes to a, a school in Bardstown, they'll all have like virtual reality headset headsets because there's so <laughs> Oculus, much money. Yeah, yeah, they're like, we got to spend this money. Like, how do we get rid of this? So. I mean, there's just a lot of money that's flowing in because of taxes. Um, like I said, I said before, I'm surprised some of the, the streets aren't paved in 24 karat gold yet. Uh, there's there's definitely going to be well, a yeah, lot of that's money that's the case. flowing through. There, there, there's not. It's going somewhere else. And it's the that the problem is, is it's, you know, windfalling and, and helping. It's helped subsidizing the, the, the state's deficit in other places. And so it's like, you know, this, these taxes are covering up the... Uh, you know, systemic problems in, in the whole states, you know, there's, there's bigger issues that need to be addressed, but I don't know. I'm not smart enough to talk about it, but we need Chad McCoy on, he, he talks about it very eloquently because this is what he does. But, um, yeah, there just seems like it's just gotten, there needs to be a cap. It's just gotten too excessive. And it's, and you know, you talk to those numbers, how many jobs and how much more infrastructure could you build instead of just giving it to the government who does, you know, great things with it. Here's the yeah. thing is that when you look at the amount of jobs, I feel it's ran very efficiently for this much money that's being taxed and going to the state. It only, it's 22,500 jobs, 22,000, right? My company, the company I work for has 35,000 employees. <laughs> so my one company actually has more employees than the entire bourbon industry alone. So that goes to show you that it's ran very efficiently and it just shows you how heavily it's taxed in regards of just basically taking money from it and and not being able to invest back into the company, back into the people and everything like that too. Well, imagine your company, if they just tax the software that you develop, not the revenue that you produce on that. It's just that you make a software and it sits in a data that's, that's unheard of. That's obscene. You know, I don't know. No, you're you're right. And I get it. It's probably one of those things they look at as a syntax. I remember that. Gosh, I don't sure. know how long it's ago. A, yeah. Yeah. There was, because Bill Samuels was really big on it. That's when he went and, you know, poured whiskey on the front steps of the of Frankfurt and stuff like that when they started increasing more taxes on alcohol and tobacco and stuff like that. And they basically just called it a syntax, which it's unfortunate because you look at it, I mean- Okay, call it a sin, but for the most part, I mean, it's it's still putting food on the table. It's still creating a, a a huge economy. The amount of people that are coming into the Bourbon Trail every year, tourism is growing even more. Uh, we've been able to kind of been privy to some conversations of even more hotels and stuff like that that are coming to downtown. So I think there's you're going to see this stuff that's going to be continuing to grow and and build off of it. And hopefully, it, you know, you're right. We'll get Chad on the show and be able to talk about this. Um, and give give a little more clarity on what we can do to help and and sort of where what needs to change in the next you know few years to make sure that Kentucky still remains a big powerhouse when it comes to this stuff too. Yeah, and there's not you know there's you say twenty two thousand jobs, but there's so many inputs that go to in the bourbon that are not involved with the distillery and the brand and whatnot. There's you know just so many inputs and finger you know spider webs of different industries that are you know contributing and benefit off this, you know, distilling and whatnot too. So it's, yeah, there's, we, everybody knows how I feel. So let's move on before I get in more trouble. And uh, let's get Chad to talk on this about more intelligently than my redneck ass. It's all good. It's all good. And we'll go ahead and we'll kind of end that as the first part of the segment, because that was a, that was a, that was a long press release, but I thought it was very well done. And I think it really gets the point across yes. of, of what needs to take place and, and have some action start happening as well. So uh, hats off to Eric Gregory and the KDA for for making that happen and spearheading yeah. this effort as well. Only because, I mean, selfishly, we've got barrels and we've got other plans. So we'd like to save a little money too on the back end. Yeah. And I will say this, I, I've grown since we've started on brand that I have grown much more appreciation of what the KDA actually does for the industry and the members. And, and, and it's not just recently, it's been for decades what they have done to get us to the bourbon industry to where it is today. And it's, I just want to say hats off to Eric and everybody that's been involved to the, the KDA. And I'm, I'm thankful and grateful for all the work that you all have done because uh, it, it's, 
it's amazing how far we've come and we but we got a ways to go and appreciate all your efforts let's get the application out Bourbon Pursuit will be the next... Uh, we'll be the first NDA on there. <laughs> or not oh, NDA, NDP, sorry. NDP, it doesn't matter. We'll be we'll be the first podcast maybe on there. Who knows? That's right. Yeah. But stick around. We'll be right back with some bourbon release news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today, shopify.com slash bourbon. Hey everyone, you know it, it's Kenny and Ryan here, but we're going to be talking about some bourbon release news, so let's go ahead and get to it. One of our favorites coming from Tennessee, Chattanooga Whiskey, they've announced their next release of their Bottled and Bond series, which I feel like we talk about this twice a year, which we typically do. So this one is the Fall well, 20 and fall for ball and bond. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, it makes sense. So we get two of these a year. Might as well talk about them. And this is the fall 2018 vintage. And this series is exclusively crafted at their Riverfront Distillery and is a single season vintage dated expression of their Tennessee high malt style. The fall 2018, fall 2018 vintage is the fourth release in the Bottled and Bond series. It's barreled July through December 2018, and Chattanooga's Whiskey Fall 2018 Vintage is crafted from a selection of four unique high malt bourbon mash bills, all made within the same distilling season, and each composed of at least 25% specialty malted grains. This release features two mash bills that are familiar to the Bottle and Bond series, SB091 and B005, which are joined by two mash bills new to the series, B002 and R18098. These add a variety of specialty malts, including cherrywood smoked malt, naked oat malt, and dehusked <laughs> chocolate malt. Together, these two mash bills make up 50% of the recipe, and this will go on sale with a suggested retail price of $53. Yeah, yeah. We, we did a barrel pick, and I love all their high malts, except there was that one that's it's the peated malt peated. or something. I don't, peated. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, don't put this, that one in there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> figure, out, figure out how to get rid of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Send it over to Scotland. Yeah. Put in the McAllen, you know, uh, Range Rover series, whatever. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard naked oat malt. It's a new one for me. Uh, yeah. I guess I, I haven't heard of a clothed naked or clothed uh, oat malt. I don't. Or the, then the dehusked chocolate malt. I mean, you could just call it naked chocolate malt at that point, right? If it's dehusked. I mean, yeah. I. <laughs> I'm trying to think why would it be called de or dehusked? I mean, I obviously know. you take the husk off when you're <laughs> not be distilling the husk with it. Yeah, the, I was going to say that's just part of the regular process, isn't it? Yeah, I would think, but maybe I'm missing something. We're not distillers. No. All right. So Few Spirits, they have introduced Few Rye Whiskey Bottled and Bond, which is a four-year-old limited edition release bottling that is created in accordance with the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. The product is a follow-up to the Few Spirits Bottled and Bond Straight Bourbon, which was released at the end of 2021. There will be 1,200 cases. This mash bill is a 70% rye, 20% corn, 10% malted barley, Asian new, charred American oak barrels for a minimum of four years, 
and has an SRP of $50. Well, there's your high rye rye for Mitt Hill. <laughs> Is it though? I don't know. I don't. I mean, what's the fuse? Fuse was part of that package, right? When they bought out Whittle Oh, Jane yeah. And Samson and Surrey. Yeah. Samson and Surrey. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So there, maybe that's the, the, the high rye rye match bill. Yeah. Hill. Discovered it right there. They're just packaging it under few and, <laughs> and square six and see which one sells better. It's A B testing. That's how it works. I love it. So speaking of rye whiskey, we'll keep this going here. So Uncle Nearest, they're going to release their first ever rye whiskey, and they're going to create it as uncut and unfiltered. So Uncle Nearest sourced its rye, sourced its rye whiskey from Canada and raised it in New York for a minimum of four years, meaning they just aged it there. Once it was ready, Uncle Nearest team brought it back to Tennessee to rest and finish it in its barrels before being bottled. The new expression reinforces master blender Victoria Eadley Butler's ability to create the highest quality whiskeys possible, even when moving away from the filtration process that was created by her great-great-grandfather. Uncle Nearest's inaugural rye whiskey is available as a distillery exclusive offering that will be available for purchase at uh, for $150 at the distillery in Shelbyville, Tennessee. I mean, they. Are, I feel like we read about them every week. <laughs> I mean, they are good at pumping out the PR stuff. I love it. Well, it's the PR stuff, and they are. They. I don't know how. Many, oh yeah, they're they, the fastest growing. <laughs> well, they they discover every spirits competition that has been discovered yet because they have like fourteen thousand gold medals and counting or something like that. Because even when they sent this press release, it said something that this has already won a gold medal in a competition. I was like, Jesus Christ! It's already been. It's already made it to. I didn't know. I thought competitions were over. Yeah, oh, it's just they they. Ryan, I, maybe I shield you from that. I, we probably, I probably turn away at least three a week from just people that send stuff. So there's. Maybe we should just keep joining them. Take down Uncle Nearest. <laughs> <laughs> they already got I a can't. pretty. They got a, they had a big head start on us. I don't think they're gonna we're gonna catch up. They're like the, they're like uh, the Jack Nicholas of, of awards and. It, you know, Jack Nicholas has the most majors and we have, just have no chance. No, no. I, 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 I kid you not. I'm pretty sure it's a little bit over 600 is what it said in the press release. They have like 600 gold medals and counting between all their products. And they only have, I think, four or five products. So it's just, you know, submitting it every year over and over again. And it's the most awarded, but not taken away from them. They, they do a lot, a lot of good stuff. But hey, this one, I, like I said, I'm a little, I don't know how to feel about it. So it's a four-year-old rye from Canada, which is okay. Asian New York, okay. I kind of try to figure out exactly how that has a connection to what they're doing in Tennessee. Then they brought it to Tennessee and bottled it. And so it's a four-year Canadian rye selling for $150 a bottle. I get it. It's uncut and filtered, but it seems a little steep. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't... Did they get Canada taxes and New York taxes? <laughs> I don't know. Before they hit Tennessee? I don't know. I don't know. Those import fees must really get you. Yeah. I don't. That, that is high dollar. All right. Well, speaking of more $150 bottles, this is an update on this year's bottle release of Midwinter's Night's Dram. So this year's release marks the 10-year anniversary of the expression and with this bottle being dubbed Act 10. And this will be launching on October 2nd. <laughs> And while you may already be familiar with the bottle that will be Act 10, this decade will also be celebrated with the debut of an even more limited edition bottle called Encore. The, this version of Midwinter's Night's Dram is finished in only white port barrels, which makes this tandem release so interesting that the liquid used for Encore was intended to be a part of Act 10. However, the white port barrel finish was so good it earned its own right to be a standalone expression. And Midwinter's Night Dram Act 10 is made from High West Rendezvous Rye, whiskey expression that is finished in ruby and tawny port barrels. It is a blend of 95.5 from MGP and 80-20, yeah, just 80-20. Squib, squib. Sorry, squib, squib juice. <laughs> mixed with 80% rye and 20% malted rye, sorry, 80% rye and 20% malted rye from High West Distillate. It's bottled at 98.6 proof and has the price tag of $150. And then Encore is the counterpoint to Midwinter's Night Dram Act 10, and it's a marriage of the rye whiskeys that are finished exclusively in white port barrels, which is a blend, once again, of 95.5 coming squim from the squib juice there, 80% 20 coming from High West. It's bottled 101.6 proof, and this one's $150, but it's only a distillery exclusive. You know, 10 year, my, this is my 10-year anniversary. Why so? Me and Midnight Winter's Dram started at the same time. 
Well, Tiffany and I's relationship. Start, never mind. <laughs> I, Are you that, sure about that? that? Do you, yeah, do, you, do you need to look at your calendar? Make sure you get that one right. Well, I know because I'm going to Spain in like two weeks for it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd usually like these Midnight Winter's Ram releases. I like the Encore theme too. You know, bring it back out. You know, you're not done with it. I'm not Just, done. Nobody's uh, leaving yet. They're still cheering out there for you. Hey, but we are making an impact with the squib talk. I went to Westport Wine and Whiskey and uh, somebody was like, they were talking about their barrel pick of something that's MGP. And and uh, he was like, well, no, it's not MGP. I saw y'all t- call it squib juice now. Or something. And I was like, because <laughs> he knew who we were. I was like, yes, we're making an impact. We're changing it from MGP to, to squib juice. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna just do a control F and replace every time every time I see MGP and just call it squib juice and I'll I'll get myself to start training myself to say it as well. Yeah, we'll have to give credit to Blake for saying she only wants me for my squib juice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good little Nelly tune there. So one of our second headlines is that Barrel Craft Spirits, they're releasing their 2022 gray label bourbon. So Barrel Craft Spirits, they've spent five years developing the blends and processes used in this latest release of Grey Label Bourbon. And this blending and marrying process is slow, labor-intensive, and costly, but they said they feel that their patience pays off with something truly special. So this release of Grey Label Bourbon is constructed from bourbons of varying ages made from five different mash bills. After marrying the blend, it goes into the casks made using 36-month air-dried staves that previously held Grey Label Bourbon to rest and then further mature. The barrels made from 36-month air-dried staves are not often used in bourbon production, in part because they're more expensive than casks made with kiln-dried staves. Sorry, kiln-dried staves. It's distilled and aged in Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana. It's proofed at 100.58, which is probably going to be barrel-proof, and priced at $250. You said proof at 100.58? Yep. It's probably one of the lower ones that they've done. Yeah. I know. Every time they come out with something new, I was like, they can't make something different. And then I try, I'm like, they did make something different. <laughs> they're, they're, well, I mean, I mean they're just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Five different mash bills going into this one, but it's from the same typical uh, culprits, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana. But, you know, I, the, when we talk about the proof, I remember God, it had been a, probably a few months ago when the Cascade Hollow release, they couldn't call it bourbon, even though it was barrel proof, but it was under 80. And so they had to call it just whiskey or something like that. So some of those Tennessee barrels, if they sit around yeah, their age long enough, age, yeah, yeah, they they lose that proof. Yeah, because I think we have a well, I guess I shouldn't say, but <laughs> no, we can say it. we get I we think have a, it, like a seventeen or eighteen, and it, I think it turning eighteen in soon. It's under a hundred proof for sure. Oh, is it when when we last got it out? Yeah, I think it was like ninety nine. Uh oh, well, we better. I'm trying to figure out when we're going to bottle that sucker then. I don't know if we're going to, if we're going to, we would have no, come out with a whiskey. We need to do a fill check. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You're like, where's the chalk line in this thing? <laughs> yeah. Polar, she's like, done. And so our last headline for the evening or this run or whatever you're on right now, maybe you're grilling this weekend. Maybe you, maybe you got some, some pork butts going. But this one, again, is from Wild Turkey. And this is their Master's Keep Unforgotten. Which I'm I'm still not sure if that's like proper grammar. It might be an actual word, but it's really weird to say it. That so this is the new release in their annual limited edition series. It was inspired by a fortuitous and unexpected commingling of a young rye and mature bourbon released more than a decade ago. Master distiller Eddie Russell has resurrected the memory of that release, which was Wild Turkey Forgiven, which the release of the Masters Keep Unforgotten is a high proof, extra age variation of the harmonious blend of straight bourbon and rye whiskeys. The unconventional and complex liquid serves as a testimony to Eddie's experience and the legacy of Wild Turkey as one of the few Kentucky distilleries that have remained dedicated to the art of making rye whiskey along with its renowned bourbons. The idea to marry straight bourbon and rye whiskeys of Wild Turkey Distilling was born in 2010 when a crew member accidentally mixed a batch of young rye with a barrel of mature bourbon. Upon tasting the co-mingled whiskeys, Master distiller Eddie Russell realized he had something very special on his hands, but rather than discard this serendipitous mistake, the distillery celebrated it, bottling the whiskey for a limited time and fittingly named it Forgiven. This is at 105 proof and Master's Keep Unforgotten is made from some of the oldest rye ever released by Wild Turkey with a marriage of 13-year-old bourbon and 8- and 9-year-old rye, and this will have an SRP of $200. Yeah, I thought they would have called it Unforgiven. 
Yeah, I Since know. Since it was forgiven. <laughs> but it was forgiven, but not unforgotten. <laughs> unforgotten. I mean, I guess it's not for, you didn't forget it, but it's not forgotten. Like, just, it seems like a really weird word. Yeah, I tried to Google unforgotten. All it comes up is like this British show on PBS, and I can't stand British shows on PBS, so I will not be watching that. But uh, yeah, I was going to say unfor- that's besides the point. Yeah, dictionary unforgotten. I mean, it is there. I it mean, just means not forgotten. It I mean, we come up with all kinds of words in Bardstown, but this is not one that I'm familiar with. Yeah, actually, I'll take it back. I'm looking right now. So unforgotten. It's in the Collins Dictionary, thefreedictionary.com, but it's not in like Merriam-Webster. And yeah, it's only in like, like Wiktionary, right? Yeah, it's not even like, it's only on like Wiktionary. So it's not, yeah, I feel, I feel vindicated now. I feel, because it's not a real word. Nope, it's slang. Yeah. Like I said, it just feels weird. Actually, to say it. it's probably got lost in translation. Like the Italians from Campari were like, Unforgiven. And then, <laughs> then the trailer was like, Unforgotten. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a spicy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, gosh, well, I'm sure that's what the board meeting like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my, my Italian heritage. They'll, they'll, they'll get that one for me. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would think that it would call me unforgiven or something like that. Forgiven was, and that's it is a true story. We've talked about it plenty of times uh, before. And I think DJ uh, Dave Jennings over at Rarebird, he posted on his Patreon. He actually had a picture. There was a lady that was cleaning in the warehouse, and she's still there today. And he was like, "That lady right there, that's the one that accidentally kept <laughs> the barrel." So she's still there. She's still working at the distillery. Not fired. Um, no, not yet. I saw somebody opening like a sherry cask wild turkey something. Have you seen this online? Yeah, they they came out with a, a Master's Keep Oloroso not too long ago. I mean, it was probably two years ago, something like that. Really? Oh, where was I? I'm pretty sure we did a review on it at some point. I don't think so. Yeah, if you Google wild turkey Oloroso sherry, you'll find it. Uh, Let me see. I'm Googling. Yeah, but the, the bottle I was looking at was different than this. It looked different. I don't know. Never mind. It was part of the Master's Keep. I know that. Gosh, yeah. Is this, see? No, here it is. No, this is different. <laughs> was I right? Uh, yeah, this is why we... This is the show about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're see, right. You can Google all you want, but I'm still going to know most of the information. Actually, I'm probably the one that doesn't remember you you have been able to be very good with starting to spit off mash bills a lot recently so you've you've started well, to nail I'm a, those down I'm a, I'm a medium blender i don't know what's before <laughs> master or whatever yeah because you like can't a, really you can't really be an apprentice because you're not studying underneath anybody i'm a yellow belt blender <laughs> yeah, trying go. to <laughs> i like that one we should we should start doing that. We'll start getting belts for you. Start <laughs> reach this. <laughs> Hold on, here it is. No, all right. Wild, yeah, Dallas Bourbon Club. That was so. It's Wild Turkey Sherry Sherry Signature. It's a ten year old. Yeah, it's not the Master's Keep. It's a ten year old bourbon, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, finished in Sherry Barrel Oloroso, and it's not in the Master's Keep bottle. Hold on, let me Google this. It's yeah, sure, it is. It's wild sure turkey oloroso sherry. I can't wild find turkey. A, I can't find a good picture of it, but wild turkey sherry signature. Here we go. It's tenure. Yep. Oh, th- that's like a dusty bottle. Is it? Yeah, I've dude. never seen that before. Well, neither okay. have I. I'm just now looking at it. But yeah, this is definitely not a new bottle. This is a this is a dusty bottle. Oh well. <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed on these things. <laughs> it's okay. We we both learned something tonight. So I'm looking at I cuz I'd never heard of it either. I'm looking at it and this is definitely not a a new release, but everything that I'm looking at they are these are definitely older whiskeys is what it looks like. Because this doesn't look like a new label, right? No, it look I didn't that's why I didn't know if it was like an old but new cuz like they have those like 12 year olds that are, you know, it looks similar to those that are in Japan. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
like the 12 and 13 year old. So I didn't know if that was like a Japan only thing or something. I don't yeah. Know. I'm looking at the, uh, my Google foo here and it's all just bringing basically to auctions. So gotcha. these are, these are, it's an old school bottle. I'm sure DJ will let us know and put us in our place. I mean, that's what they do. Everybody listens yep. and make sure that we, we don't slip up or if we do, we're going to know about it. I'm sure we'll hear about this one. Yeah. But that's going to do it for this week in bourbon. And what's going to, that's it, man. Bourbon Heritage Month is over now. This is the last podcast you're going to hear about it in Bourbon Heritage Month until next year. And then we'll, we'll talk about it all once more. It's next month's rye. Rye <laughs> yeah, Heritage Month. Rye Heritage Month. <laughs> Drink a rye every day for 30 days. Yeah. High rye rise. And <laughs> yeah, you got to figure out, you, def, you, you have to define what's your, what's your high rye and low rye. It's basically just like shooting darts at a board, though. Yeah, I'm still at Yellow Belt. I'm not, you know, advanced enough to to be able to comment on that. But since I hit a gray belt, I'll let you know. Yeah, we got to now. Got to start looking up our karate belt levels and figure out how do you graduate to the next one. I figured you would know that because you're such a karate kid. I like karate kid. I mean, I actually like like looked at the actual practice of karate and knowing exactly what kind of belts you need. That or maybe we'll do like like generals. How you get those. Those uh, okay. Those lines or sashes and medals. Hey, I guessed right. Yellow is medium. It's the sixth one you get, and there's so there's ten. So it's white, purple, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, brown, black. There's no so, gray at all. Nope, no gray. So maybe I'll be green next year. I can't believe you just jumped to yellow. <laughs> so, so you think I'm a purple blender? <laughs> Or a white, starting out. <laughs> Golly, you freaking curve killer over here. You're able to just go ahead and just skip classes. Just go ahead and judge well, jump I mean, levels. It, I've been in it since 2019. Come on. That's <laughs> <laughs> what to say. Uh, a lot of kids, they break their board on the first day, and they're like, yeah, I got your green belt. Go ahead and move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing through bricks. <laughs> Cinder right. blocks is coming next. Is that what it is? With your head? Yeah. Yeah, with my head. Nice. All right. Enough of this talk. We'll see you all next week. Toodles.